This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Galatians 5, uh, again, we've been unpacking for, for several weeks now the idea that Paul is writing to the churches at Galatia to defend the gospel. Every other letter that Paul writes, he usually writes, begins with a word of commendation. Hey, you guys are doing a really good job in this area. You need to, to pick it up in a couple of other areas. You're doing really good here. Hey, I've heard some things that's going on in the church, and I'm encouraged by that, but let's, let's fix these things that are lacking. No word of commendation in Galatians. He just sets out guns a-blazing, uh, very beginning of the chapter. I'm shocked that you are so quickly removed from the truth that you had because they messed with the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind. And you mess with that, you mess with everything about Christianity. There are some, th- some things that we may agree to disagree on with other folks in the Bible, but when it comes to the gospel, it's a non-negotiable doctrine. You mess with that, you mess with the whole purpose that Jesus came. And Paul goes so far in this passage to say, if you could be saved by any way other than Jesus, why did Jesus even come? If your good works or your keeping of rules and regulations could get you to heaven, then Jesus, you have no need for Jesus at all. And so he attacks that with great uh, tenacity, the idea that there's some other way that we can be saved by keeping the rules or keeping the law. And so we find ourselves here in uh, Galatians chapter 5, and he talks about Christian liberty. 13 through 15 is where we're going to spend our time in Galatians 5 tonight, but we're just going to read the, um, the whole chapter leading up to that just to give you context. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Again, this whole, the, the context of this entire chapter is talking about the freedom that we have in Christ where the the law before was a bondage that we were into, where we had to keep the rules, we had to keep the ceremonial law, you had to do everything right, and it was a bondage to us, and it never had freedom associated with that. We also were in bondage to our sin once upon a time, but in Jesus Christ, we have liberty, we have freedom. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, if you want to be, uh, go to heaven or be saved or be right before God because of your circumcision or some other rule or law that you've kept, then Christ is no good to you. He doesn't give you any benefit. For I testify against, again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become no effect unto you. Whosoever are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. The word fallen from grace doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It means you've lost a grip on what it means to be saved by grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. It's interesting here, he says, you know, your rules and regulations that you keep or your good works that you do uh, are very little, but, but the thing that profits us is faith which worketh out by love. We took a look at last week, verse number seven, you did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. These people that are spreading false doctrine, God's going to deal with them. 
And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? And is the offense of the cross ceased? I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. I wish that you had nothing to do with these people that are sharing a false truth. This is where we'll spend our time tonight. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. God's given you freedom. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Again, the theme of chapter number five is the freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. If you wanted to uh, say that there was a parallel passage of scripture that went along with this, Romans chapter six fits in very nicely and conveniently with Galatians chapter five here. Romans chapter 6 tells us that we're free in Christ. We're no longer slaves to our sin, but uh, we are now have the opportunity to be free from the things that held us down before. We come to this idea of Christian liberty. We see, first of all, that salvation through Jesus provides us freedom from the Mosaic law. You see, back in the Old Testament, the law was very cumbersome as far as what you could and could not do as far as uh, what was expected of you, how you had to make things right. If you stole something from your neighbor, what were the, quali- the, the ramifications of that? That would be spelled out in Scripture. If you accidentally killed somebody's ox, how many do you have to restore to it? You have to look that up and find out how to make that right. There's no grace under the uh, Mosaic law. Someone's caught in adultery. When, you know what you do? You drag them outside the city gates and you stone them to death kid back talks his parents there was no time out there was no washing kids mouths out with soap yes i've done that before um what did you do you took a kid outside the city gates and you stoned him to death that's what the law said very cut and dried no grace there the law was very cut and dried and the bible says now we're free from the mosaic law jesus didn't come to destroy the law he came to fulfill it the whole purpose of the law is to show us our need for a savior that none of us can be perfect that all of us were short of god's glory that every single person stood before God in need of forgiveness, in need of a Savior. But now we have been set free from that through Jesus Christ. So Paul starts off chapter number five saying, guys, don't go back to that type of bondage again. You don't want that. And he says, if you're gonna say that circumcision saves you, then you're gonna have to fulfill the rest of the law too. And trust me, you don't wanna go there. That's what Paul's saying to him. And if you could be saved by the law, then you don't need Jesus He's of no effect to you. He has no profit towards you. But thankfully, the salvation from Jesus provides us freedom from that. But salvation through Jesus provides us freedom from sin. Again, Romans chapter 6 says that we have been uh, set free from the bondage that we had in sin. Romans chapter 5 tells us that we were once enemies of God. But now we're sons and daughters through what Jesus Christ provides for us. And so this idea of the liberty that we have, again, verse number 13, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty, freedom. You're no longer a slave to your sin. You no longer have to live under the bondage of sin. You no longer have to sin. You you can choose not to. You see, before we knew Jesus, we were just trying to do better. We were just trying in our own power to not fall into that trap again. But through Jesus Christ, now we have power over sin by what we've been given. And we're free now. And Romans chapter 6 again tells us we shouldn't get trapped up 
entangled again with the bondage that we found in our sin, but now that we are free, we're to live as free. It's important to understand that while we are free from the Mosaic law and the ramifications of that, salvation through Jesus does not provide freedom from God's moral and ethical law. If you read through the book of Leviticus, which is a heavy, heavy book, Sometimes people get super fired up. They want to read the Bible through in a year. They read through Genesis, and there's so many great stories in the book of Genesis and everything that God does. They read through the book of Exodus, and, man, they see, wow, God led his children out of Egypt and all the things that it took to do that and the great triumphs that they had. And while they were knuckleheads and they were crazy, God loved them, and he took care of them, and he led them out of this bondage. Then they get to the book of Numbers, and it's, a little bit harder to read. There's still some good stories we can pull out of the, the book of Numbers of the promises that God gives and the way that he fulfills those promises. And then they make it to the book of Leviticus and they're like, hold up, what is this? I sometimes refer to Leviticus as the widow maker of the one-year Bible plan. Uh, you get there and you just get stuck. And it's just like, oh, this is so hard because you think, okay, here's the type of garments that the priests will wear and it'll be this color. It'll be with this type of fabric and there's gonna be this many stones on it. It's many stones on this side and there'll be different colored stones on this side and all this other stuff. And you're like, what on earth is this? And uh, I, I used to get stuck in Leviticus and it was, it was almost a chore to read. And I had a friend one time that recommended that I read the book of Leviticus in uh, concert with the book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus Christ is our high priest. And you put the two of those together, it's like, oh, oh, oh. everything in Leviticus is just a point to Jesus. And that makes it a really exciting read. It's still hard, but it's an exciting read. Now, the book of Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy literally means second law giving. So a lot of Deuteronomy is a repetition of the book of Leviticus. And it makes it a difficult read as well. But I'm telling you, push through there. But here's the thing. While we don't have special clothing that the priests have to wear, while we don't have a day of atonement that we go and we sacrifice animals inside the temple, while we don't have the requirements that we have, as far as the law is concerned, God's moral and ethical law does not change. God's rules that he gives as far as the uh, moral and ethical laws are still in effect. I'm thankful for the fact that we don't have to adhere to the dietary laws uh, that we have in the Old Testament. The Old Testament gave all types of restrictions on what you could and could not eat as far as food is concerned. Can you imagine the first Christians who ate bacon? Like, how great would that be? Uh, but under the Old Testament Levitical law, you could not eat pork. Uh, and so now we can eat things like that because now the ceremonial Levitical law has been lifted, but God's moral law is still in place. It's still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to kill. God's moral law is still in place. That's why sometimes when you're talking with folks about what the Bible says about uh, human sexuality and homosexuality and things like that, they say, well, the same passage of Scripture that uh, says that you can't uh, have homosexual relationships always talk, also talks about wearing mixed fabrics and uh, talks about not being able to eat pork. So uh, are you going to not eat pork? Well, that's apples and oranges there. God's moral law as far as what he expects of us from human sexuality, that's still in effect. God's dietary laws are no longer effect uh, on us because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, everything that you just talked about there, we, while the, the New Testament tells us in the book of Acts that we can eat anything that we want to, that everything God has created is deemed good, and Peter even pushed back on that and says, I'm not going to eat that, and God says, it's good, you can eat it. The New Testament still talks about Sexual sin still talks about fornication, still talks about all those other things in the New Testament as well, so we don't, we're not off the hook there. So God's moral and ethical law doesn't change. I'm thankful that God is gracious. 
I'm thankful that when we lie, God doesn't strike us dead like he did sometimes in the Old Testament. I'm thankful when we gossip about people, God doesn't open up a sinkhole and swallow us up in our entire family like he did sometimes in the Old Testament. Now, could God do that? At any point that he chose to, he would be fully right and just to do so. But God's laws haven't changed so much. So, that's important because this. Sometimes people use the phrase Christian liberty to mean I can now do whatever I want because I'm a child of God. I don't have to listen to God's law. I don't have to follow God's guidelines because I have liberty or I have freedom in Jesus Christ, which many times it's just a thinly veiled excuse to be able to do whatever I want to do. Salvation through Jesus Christ does not provide freedom to sin. I've met folks before who say, it's okay for me to smoke marijuana because I have liberty in Christ. <laughs> mm, friend, that's not what liberty in Christ is about. It's okay to, for me to watch movies with foul language or with nudity or with, I watch television shows, shows with uh, gratuitous sexual content because I'm free in Jesus Christ and I'm no longer bound by the law. I'm no longer bound by rules and regulations. We took a look at last week how some people say, well, it's not about all about rules, it's about a relationship and my relationship with Jesus and the freedom that I have in him, I can do what I want. Oh, no, 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 you misunderstood what liberty means because you've exchanged your liberty from sin, your freedom from sin, and now are trying to make it a liberty or a freedom to sin, and it doesn't work that way. Liberty doesn't mean that I don't have to follow God's guidelines. Liberty doesn't mean that, that biblical principles don't apply to me. Christian liberty doesn't mean now that I'm saved, I get to live however I want to. No, Christian liberty means I'm free from the things that held me down and I'm free now to do more for Jesus than I could before. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9 says, but take heed lest any, by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Hey, your freedom in Christ, be careful with that to make sure that whatever you're claiming freedom for doesn't cause somebody else to fall into sin. Be careful that your freedom that you have now is not flaunted in some way that would cause another person to sin. I'm uh, grieved by Christians who flaunt their liberty in a sinful way. There are some folks that were in our uh, single adults ministry when we lived in California. They were in our class, solid Christian folks. And um, probably a year or so, I came across one of their Facebook feeds and was looking at it. I thought, man, I forgot all about those people. I wonder how they're doing. I clicked on their feed and uh, the wife had posted some, some filthy language stuff. Uh, then the guy had posted, M, uh, Mondays are for Margarita Mondays, Tuesdays are Tequila Tuesdays. And every day would post a picture of what he was drinking, a picture of him and his alcoholic beverage. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? And then they have a few posts down on there, hey, uh, for all the judgmental Christians that are friends with me, you can go ahead and defriend me right now. And it's like, oh. It's just like, I'm so glad that we're no longer judged by your rules and regulations. I'm judged by God alone. <laughs> oh, you're right, God's judged you, and I know exactly how it's gonna wind up. But this was someone who had misunderstood Christian liberty. They thought that it, was, it gave them the license or the opportunity to be able to do what they wanted to. That's not freedom at all. It's just a different type of bondage. See, we may not use our liberty in Jesus to cover up our carnality. 
Be careful when Christians use the term Christian liberty because generally it's not in the context in which Paul uses it here. Paul says, freedom in Christ, Christian liberty, gives me a new opportunity to be able to serve Jesus with my life. It gives me a new opportunity to help other people find freedom in Jesus Christ. It gives me a new opportunity to do things for God that I was never able to do before because I now have freedom in Jesus. Peter has a lot to say about this. First Peter chapter two says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. In other words, don't try to use God's liberty to cover up the things that you wanna do. Keep your finger here in Galatians. I want you to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2. This is big what he says here. 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter's talking about carnal Christians. 2 Peter chapter 17, those who go after their flesh. 2 Peter 2.17, these are wells without waters and clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity or uselessness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from those who live in error. When they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption for whom a man is overcome and the same he is brought into bondage. Paul says, you say it's liberty, it's just a different type of slavery. You were set free from the Mosaic law, you were set free from your sin, but you, change, you exchange that for another type of bondage, a bondage to your flesh, a bondage to your own sinfulness. Verse 24, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome and the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Think about what, Paul, what Peter's saying there. They've been set free from the, the hope that they found in Jesus Christ, but they've gone and wrapped themselves up with sin again so that, this is crazy, look what he says here, so that they're worse off now than they were before they ever even knew Jesus. That they've, they've taken a mess and made it messier. Here's the thing, before you knew Jesus, you might have lived in sin, but you didn't know any better. There's folks who have come to our church before that are living together that are not married. And I say to them, do you know that what you're doing is a sin? I had one person look me dead in the eye. How is that a sin? We're, we're just like married folks. We just don't have the paper to show it. They didn't know. And I take them back to what the Bible says about sexual sin and sexual immorality. I said, even if you're not living, even if you're not having sexual relationships, the Bible says that we should abstain from all appearance of evil and for the sake of your testimony and for the name of the Lord Jesus, you shouldn't do this. We didn't know. Here's the problem. When Christians are confronted with sin, they make it right with God, but then they go back to their sin. The Bible says you just wrapped yourself up in sin all over again and you made more of a mess this time because now you know what you're doing is wrong. There's no pleading for ignorance there. The only thing that you can plead is rebellion and carnality. That's a dangerous place to be because now you're worse than you were before. Before you sinned in ignorance. Before you sinned because you didn't know any better. Now you know the truth, but you've chosen to disobey the truth. That puts you into a different category of destructive behavior. 
So Peter feels very strongly about using liberty to cover up our own sinfulness. Turn back to Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Salvation now gives me a new reason to obey Jesus. Love. I'm not obeying the law in hopes that I can be saved or hopes that I can be right with God or hopes that one day my sin will be forgiven and maybe one day I'll make it to heaven. I don't obey because the law says I have to obey. I don't have to be a lawyer where I have to become so well-versed with the law that I need to know what I can and cannot do. Now, I'm free from my sin and that doesn't free me to sin. It frees me to love Jesus even more. So many times people get Christianity mixed up. They think to themselves, well, if I'm good enough, God will love me. If I obey enough, Jesus will accept me. And if I keep on my best behavior, then maybe I can get to go to heaven one day. You missed the boat. We're not saved by our good works. We're not saved by who we are. We're not saved by what we've done. We're saved by grace. And grace says you can be the biggest mess the world's ever seen and God can clean it up said this morning so many times people try to clean up their act and then come to Jesus it doesn't work that way he's not interested in your good works he's not interested in how good of a person you are how good of a person you think you are but once I'm saved I realize I now have a new object of my affection Jesus now that I'm saved I want to do the right thing now because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me saying Anthony don't do that Anthony you should do that I want to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit when God speaks to me, I want to do what's right. When I read God's word and I'm challenged by it, I don't think to myself, oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm a ridiculous excuse for a human being. I can never do this. I see that and I say, I want to be that man. I can't do it on my own, but I know with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be that man. And I want to do that. Why? Because I love Jesus. I don't want to do that because I hope maybe I'll get brownie points in heaven. I don't want to obey because I hope maybe people will think that I'm something that I'm not. I don't want to obey because I hope maybe possibly God might find favor in the things that I've done. No, I want to do it because I love Jesus. Here's the thing. I came to church this morning because I love Jesus. People say, well, you're the pastor. You got to come to church. Really? I know pastors who don't preach 50% of Sundays in a year. I didn't have to come anywhere. I wanted to come. I've really enjoyed not leading, uh, leading music. It just gives me the opportunity to just sing. Man, I love, I love to sing about Jesus. Why? Because I love Jesus. I hate traffic, but I love sitting in traffic and just completely and totally bumping praise music on the way home. It causes my heart to talk about how great Jesus is. I read a book this past week. Oh, my soul. Mm. Uh, I, I'm ordering like 50 copies of it. That's how good this was. A little short book. Um, in the uh, probably beginning of November time frame, uh, as we go through and walk through our series on affliction, we're going to be talk, take a look at depression uh, and suicidal thoughts. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says a lot about it, believe it or not. And so I was reading a little mini book on, on Christians and depression. It's written from a spiritual perspective, which is how we're going to talk about it. And oh my word, the hope, for the person who's depressed as I read through it. 
is the gospel. And he kept bringing up again and again through every single chapter the thread of the gospel and how it went through and how before Christ we were without hope. But now that we have Christ, we have hope. And how all of the wrong and the guilt and the shame of our sin and the wrong choices that we made and the decisions that we made that have gotten us off track have been put on Jesus Christ and we're no longer liable for those. And the, the thread of the gospel just went through the entire book and I, I finished the book and I, I literally said aloud, good God, I love the Bible. Good God, I love the gospel. And I was just so fired up because I thought to myself, God became man and hung upon a tree to give me every tool at my disposal to be fruitful and joyful in this life because of God's love for me. Oh, my soul. I was just completely and totally overcome by the awesomeness of the gospel. And I have a greater love for God now as a result of that. And if you'd asked me a week ago, you know, how can you love God more? I'd be like, ah, I don't know. But man, I, I came face to face and the Holy Spirit just smacked me up. And you might read the book going, meh, it's a good book. Uh, but for me, it was life-changing because I now have a greater appreciation for the gospel, a greater love for the gospel. But now I'm not motivated by any external circumstance. I'm motivated by my love for God. And love is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling that we have. It's a choice that I make to make God the object of my affection and my undying devotion. That's what love is about. We don't obey Jesus to be saved. We obey him because we're saved. Again, this is a difficult concept sometimes to explain to unbelievers or folks that are new in their faith. Angela and I don't mark off a, a portion of our income and give to the Lord because we have to. We, we do that because we want to. We worship the Lord. He's given to us. We want to give to him. We don't mark off time on our calendar to go out into our community and tell people about Jesus. We don't set up appointments with people to talk about their relationship with Christ because we have to. We do it because we want to. God's given me a gift. I want to pass it forward to somebody else. Man that goes to our gym that's committed to be at our open house Sunday, October 13th. I gave him a flyer. He goes, I'm going to be there. I promise you that. I'm going to put this on my, on my refrigerator at home right now. I'm praying that it'll be saved. Did I have to do that? No, I wanted to do that. And I hope this guy, he's just a really good guy. He really is. I hope that he finds the freedom that I have in Christ because I just want to share it. I don't have to do that. I want to do that. There comes time in our lives where we don't necessarily want to do that, and we should check our heart and find out why. There's times where in my life where I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to share my faith. I don't want to worship the way that I should. And when that happens, you should always check your heart and find out what's, what's stopping you from moving forward the way that you need to. But again, this is a freedom that we have in Jesus Christ that allows us to love him more, to obey him more, to serve him more. Take a look at verse number 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy, thyself. We're now free not to sin, but to serve. That's what it says. Use not your liberties and occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Because you love Jesus, great, you get to serve other people now. The guy came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment out of all of them? Thought he was going to trick Jesus, right? It's like trying to ask your uh, a parent, which, which kid do you love the most? It's just like, is that a trick question? 
Jesus, which commandment of all the commandments is most important? Oh, we're going to get him here. Jesus says, got it. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, every fiber of your being. But the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know what Jesus was saying there? The whole Bible, 66 books, can be summed up like this. Love God and love everybody else. That's it. <laughs> and I can imagine a race there going like, oh, whoa, that's deep. The entire Bible summed up in two commandments. So here Paul says, here's the law. You want something to obey? Obey this. Love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. Why? Because now you have freedom in Christ. Now you're free. So the idea that Christian liberty is some way to cover up my sinfulness Christian liberty gives me the opportunity to listen to filthy music, or Christian liberty gives me the ability to watch terrible television shows. Christian liberty gives me the, the opportunity to have a foul mouth. That's the opposite of this. You're free now. You don't have to obey the law anymore, so you're free to serve other people. You see, the law, the only person you were concerned about was yourself. <laughs> I gotta make sure that I'm right with God. I gotta make sure that I'm following the rules. I gotta make sure that I'm okay. God says, you're okay. You're declared righteous before me. Now go and serve other people. I was talking with a guy um, several weeks ago. He was visiting from Malaysia, and he had a question about church planning. He was talking about a group of guys that he, was, he had gone to college with were planning on planning a church in Malaysia. And he said, I'm not sure about the churches in, uh, in America. He said, but the churches in Malaysia are very consumeristic. Like, what can you do for us? And I kind of laughed. He goes, is that not a problem here? <laughs> no, it's a major problem in America. And he says, how do, you, how do you challenge people to be investors and not consumers? I said, you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve other people. I said, for us as a church, it's on the, the front door of our church. Love, pray, give, serve, invest. It's not about us. It's all, all about other people. And I said, you have to teach that. You have to model that. There was a time for us that we, did, we didn't always think like that. When we had moved into this building and they, the uh, landlord had said, you know, there's no parking in this, uh, this building at all, we began to think, well, what can we do? And there was a, a parking lot probably, um, I don't know, maybe three or four blocks that way that we had talked with the owner and he was willing to let us rent it for a small fee. <laughs> small fee. Um, you can park your cars there. Good. And so we thought to ourselves, okay, what can we do? We can get a van, we can get a trolley, we can make it really cool, we'll have music on there, we'll have like a bottle of water on there and give people a ride to church, right? That's, that's customer service, that's letting people know, hey, we're here for you, we know it's tough to have to park a few blocks away, but we're gonna make it easy for you. But then I thought to myself, what do you teach people? I'm so sorry that you were inconvenienced by having to walk two blocks to church. Let us make it easy and give you a ride with music and uh, little fans on there so you can fan yourself and cold bottle water out of a cooler. Really? <laughs> and you think to yourself, like, uh, you know, places overseas, people ride trains for hours to get to church. And we're going to be upset that people have to walk a block? It's just like, okay, maybe not. You know why? Because it's no longer about us. It's about serving other people. That's why we tell folks when they become members of who we call a Baptist church. People sometimes ask, well, by being a member, what, what are the perks of being a member? <laughs> you get no perks. There's no, like, members-only uh, pool up on the, the roof of the church anywhere. That would be a cool idea, but no such place. By being a member of who we call a Baptist church, you get the opportunity to serve other people. 
you no longer get to use the guest parking lot over there that's for guests, not the people who've been coming for six months. You no longer get to park on Waimanu Street out here on a Sunday morning because you're running late because you should be here on time if you're a member. And you want to leave that parking open for people that are new, first-time guests, or folks with small children. You get to show up early. You get to be one of the last people to leave. You get the opportunity to take out the garbage if you want. You can even wipe down. I love this. I love this. I love this. I was walking past this, uh, this evening on a way into church. One of our guys, I, I hear in the bathroom, somebody's yanking paper towels off. And I'm thinking to myself, this is one of my children probably. I'm going to go by and grab them by the neck and say, you don't use that many paper towels, right? But I look inside, and it's one of our men. You know what he's doing? He's wiping down the sink from where water spilled all around there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, he could say, hey, I'm free from that. I don't have to wipe down sinks anymore. I got liberty in Jesus Christ. Mm, nope, wrong answer. You now have the opportunity to serve. Members of who we call a Baptist church, you get the opportunity to serve other people. You get to watch people's kids in the nursery. You get to, to wipe snotty noses. You get to go pull parents out of a, a church service and say, hey, I think your kid really needs you. Could you come give us a hand? You get the opportunity to miss singing together with Jesus' church because you're out on the curb trying to be nice to people that are walking in. That's what you get. You know why? Because you get now to use your liberty not as a way to serve yourself but a way to serve other people. That's a game changer, folks. The greatest time of growth I've ever seen in my Christian life was the time that I decided to stop taking and start giving. Stop seeing what I could get from church and start figuring out what I could do for other people. Stop thinking about like, well, I didn't really like that song. Today's message was kind of boring. He didn't really tell any good jokes too. Hey, that message was helpful. I'm going to take that and follow that away and maybe use it one day. That's what changes when we make a decision to now serve. Final thought here tonight. Carnality is destructive. Godliness is edifying. The word edify means to build up. I hope you've gotten from our Sunday morning series that sin just rips everything in its path. It's so destructive. It's like a tornado that leaves death and destruction in its wake. And carnality is just an excuse to do what you want to do in a sinful way and to serve yourself. No, that's destructive but godliness, that's edifying. It builds up. I'm thankful for godly men and godly ladies in our church. I'm thankful that my children are influenced by godly people in our church. I'm thankful that there's examples that my kids can look around to in our church and see what godliness looks like, what a godly marriage looks like. I'm so thankful for our, our men's leadership weekend that we had. We've had probably maybe a dozen or so guys. It was their first time at one of our men's conferences. But I was thankful that they could look around the room at several guys that have been with us for a long time, who are getting it done, who are loving their family, who are leading people to Jesus, who are just walking the faith journey, who are real deal Christians in their workplace and they're not ashamed of it. You know why? Because we all need people around us like that. That's why we can never use the fact that, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I can do what I want as a cloak or a mask in some way to do what we want to do. No, I've been set free. I've been set free now to be able to love people and serve people and be able to give and care for other people and meet other people's needs. I, w I once couldn't do that because I was enslaved to my sin. Man, now I'm free. I, I'm free to serve. I want to serve. I get the greatest joy in my life from serving. 
we'd taken the Stallneckers to lunch um, this past week, and uh, the restaurant we were at uh, was was there on the beach, and they had a, a water cooler there with the little uh, pull-out things, uh, cup dispensers if they have, where you can pull out a cup there. And uh, when we were walking past, somebody had knocked off the cup dispenser, and it had fallen on the ground, and all the cups were strewn out everywhere. And it was right in the path of where we were walking, and I would have had to stop and step over this mess of cups to keep on walking, and everybody behind me would have had to do the same thing. And with every fiber in my being, I wanted to do that, but something inside of me said, just stop and pick up the cups. And so I stopped. I put all the cups back in the, uh, in the, the dispenser that they were in there, and the thing that it was hanging on to was broken, so I just sat it down over there. And there were people around that looked at me like I had four heads, like, what is, what is he doing over there? You know? And I just walked off like, he doesn't even work here. You know why? Because service has become such a, a strange thing in our society. You stop and open the door, guys, for ladies that are walking in, they look at you like, what are you looking at? What do you want? Like, is everything okay? Everything's going Service is such a strange thing. My wife will take our girls to the mall, and she's pushing a baby stroller. And guys will walk in and let the door slam on the baby stroller. She's like, what happened? Service is, is so foreign in our society today. But here's a crazy thought. Service is foreign sometimes in churches. It's all about me. It's about all about what I can get. It's not about how I can serve and help other people and love other people and show people the love of Jesus. Friend, Christians were created to serve. Why? Because we're created to follow the, the example of Jesus. Jesus said the Son of Man came not to, to, to be served but to serve others. Jesus didn't need to be ministered to. He wanted to minister to other people. I'm not looking for what people can do for me. I'm looking for what I can do for other people. That's the heart of Christ. That's what Christian liberty is about. You're free. Yes, I'm free. Now I can serve other people. Now I'm no longer encumbered or entangled by my sinfulness. Now I get to serve people and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Think about that as you go through this week. I'm free from my sin. Yes, I'm free from the penalty of my sin. No longer going to hell. I'm free from the entanglement of my sin. I don't have to give in to my sin if I don't want to. But I am free to be able to love other people and serve Jesus by serving other people this week. Think about that as we go. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.